So I guess you're probably surprised to see me up here. How do you think I, how do you think I felt? <laughs> yeah, right. When God said, Jeff, I have a word for you, for the congregation, and, and I want you to deliver it. And so when the Lord brought this to me, uh, he's done this to me before. And to be quite honest with you and be vulnerable with you, I've disobeyed the Lord. I haven't done it. I haven't done some of the things he's called me to do. And uh, one of the things he taught me about that was disobedience to him is also dishonor to him. And so God's got me in a place right now in my spiritual walk where uh, I want to honor him with every aspect of my life and everything that I do. So that's why I'm here, because I said yes. I said yes, I'll do what you've called me to do. Because he's the love of my life, he's the desire of my heart, and he's the one I want to please. So as I started to focus on that, started to say yes and do the thing, he started to download stuff inside of me, and it's just like been a waterfall. It just, it continues to go and go and go, and he just doesn't stop. So I want to thank pastors Tom, Eric, and Shelley for honoring me by allowing me to come up here and speak. Uh, by honoring the Word of God, <clears throat> and so I just want to say thank you for that. I appreciate you guys very much. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about is out of the a book by John Bevere. It's called Honor's Reward. He's written several books. One of them's called Obey Satan. You've probably heard of that one too. But John Bevere's got this real special way of talking about honor and how we honor people, all different aspects of our lives. And so he really, uh, when I started reading the book, and I went through, I've been through it like three times, and every time I've done that, uh, it's just like, it's really, uh, it's kind of rocked my world because it's shown me uh, where I've not been very good at it. So, but before I start, is Tom around? Uh, oh, did he? Okay. All right. I'll go ahead and, to, to bring us up, I just hit it, all right. There we go. Now, what we're doing here is kind of talking a little bit about what Pastor Eric's been talking about for the last several weeks. Right? Honor's unconditional. Remember that? Remember the things he's gone through about being unconditional? It's kind of like love. Honor's unconditional. Love's unconditional. Uh, honor comes from honoring God first. God says, you honor me, I will honor you. Right? Honor attracts the favor of God. Who doesn't want the favor of God in their life? You don't want it, or you do? All right, amen, praise God. Well, we have to honor him in order for him to honor us. What does that look like? And we're gonna talk about some of that stuff. Honor comes out of obedience to God. So we're gonna be obedient to the Lord. And that's how we receive the favor of God. Tom's back. Tom Preble, our beloved pastor, and I really felt the Lord release me to give this word. This is a, I'm on the prophetic team too. Uh, the Lord really speaks to me quite loud sometimes, and he spoke to me very loud today for Tom Preble. And Tom, I wanted to give this word, and, and actually the Lord wanted me to give this to you in public. Okay? So what I saw was, I saw Tom on the racetrack, like a high school racetrack, and he's doing the hurdles. 
I don't know if any of you ever ever ran the hurdles. It's pretty tough. It's a hard thing to do. And as I see Tom running, he goes over the first one and he gets his toe caught on the hurdle, he falls. He gets up, he's got blood on his elbows and his face, his forehead, his nose, he's got it all over him. And he gets up and he can't get up. And the Lord's behind him and the Lord's picking him up. And he goes to the next one and he does it again. He's fallen and he keeps falling. The Lord keeps picking him up. And then at the end, I see him just breezing right over the top of these hurdles like nothing, like it's not even an issue. And then the Lord gave me the, the scripture, uh, Matthew, and I want to read it to you. Matthew 25. I'm like, okay, God. So I just looked up Matthew 25, verses 20 and 21. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me the five talents. Look, I've given you five more talents besides him. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are, you are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I really feel that the, the Lord is extremely proud of you for, for what you have walked through, what you've persevered, what, how you've picked yourself back up and allowed the Lord to pick you up and go on and move to the next level. And I see him opening new doors and dimensions to you. And, and the Lord specifically took me to that scripture because he's talking about finances too in your life. He's opening new doors to finances for you. So if you want to receive that, it's for you. Amen. <clears throat> honor. What does honor look like in your life? Sometimes we don't even know what honor is. Do you know that the word honor is mentioned in the Bible 147 times? If it's mentioned that many times, if God says it that many times, it's probably pretty important to him. That's just my way of thinking. So we've, we've kind of learned what honor looks like through Pastor Eric's teaching. And uh, so I want to tell you a little bit about myself because I've been, on, I've been on a bit of a journey for a while, for a long time, and I just brought it to, to Pastor Eric you know, a month or so ago. But I've been on this journey for a long time, several years that the Lord has taken me on. And uh, after I read the book, Honor's Reward, uh, I really thought that I knew what honor was. But it was probably superficial. And, uh, but I didn't, because I didn't know the depth of honor through God's eyes. And my eyes started to be opened and, and uh, started seeing the things that he wanted me to see. This book spelled it out for me and gave me insight and understanding how I failed miserably at showing honor to people. And it didn't matter who it was. So, <clears throat> as I bring this to you, I want you to know that when I started writing this, I wept for 30 minutes before I could even start writing anything because the Lord was convicting me in my heart. And it's like, that's what I needed. I needed that conviction because that's what brings change in us. So as I started listening to the Lord and sobbing and snotting and got done with all that and started to write, uh, 
what the Lord brought back to my remembrance was when I was in the military. Because when I was in the military, I learned the importance of honor. That's one of the things that they kind of drill into your head, honor. Uh, and one of the ways that they taught honor was by doing your job extremely well. You do your job extremely well so that others may live. If you do your job mediocre or halfway or not at all, people die. That motto is, uh, I was in the Air Force. That motto is from the PJs, which are pararescues. These guys go behind enemy lines to retrieve fallen or shot down pilots that have been shot out of the sky. And they're combat trained. They have two years of training before they're even allowed to pick up a gun. That's how this, these guys are intense. And that's their motto. They do what they do that, so others may live. That's a sacrifice. They, they're honoring people with their lives, kind of like Jesus did, right? He honored us with, with his life. So <clears throat> that was one of the ways that I learned honor. <clears throat> Another way is uh, by honoring our flag. And it's not a piece of cloth that I honor. It's what the flag stands for. It's what it represents. It represents so many things to so many people. It represents freedom. Right? I wanted to give you a, uh, a little fun fact that we should all, all should know, but we probably don't is what the flag, what it stands for, as far as the colors and the stripes. So we all know that the, the, the flag has 50 stars, right? It stands for the states, right? We also know that there's 13 stripes, right? Everybody know that, red and white? Stands for the original 13 colonies, right? Did you also know that what white stands for, the color white? Purity and innocence, absolutely. Red. Well, that's what I, thirst, I thought at first, but it doesn't. It stands for hardiness and valor. Red stands for hardiness and valor. And the blue signifies vigilance, perseverance, and justice. And twice a day, if you're on base, you stand at attention for the flag because there's reveille and retreat. 6.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the evening. No matter where you were, you heard sounding, and you stopped and faced a flag because there was flags everywhere on base, and you stopped and saluted because we were honoring what the flag represents. That was, that was another way that I learned about honor. <clears throat> also, the flag. that drapes the coffins of our brothers and sisters who gave their lives for each one of us, that we may have this life that we have. They honored us all by what they gave. 
And so you can only imagine when I see someone burning a flag or stomping on a flag and disrespecting and dishonoring what that flag stands for, how I feel. And there's a lot of people that feel the same way. But God taught me something in the midst of that. He taught me how to love those people that are unlovable, how to honor those people even when they don't honor God or honor our institution and what we believe in. And that's been a hard lesson for me because I don't want to honor those people. I don't want to love those people. Another way that we learned it is uh, honors by following a superior's order. Why? So that people don't die. I'm honoring his decision. So these are just a few things, a few ways that, uh, that I've learned how to honor before I started to understand God's word. But there are many areas in our lives where honor is lacking. And I know that it's lacking in my life. And so what I wanted to do was, is I wanted to share with you uh, three different areas in my life where God was dealing with me and giving me this information to share with you because I, because I feel it's instrumental right now, the areas that he's, he's given us to, uh, to work on our honor. And we're not going to say, I'm going to try. I hate that word, try. <laughs> try gives you an option. Out, right? We're, we're going to do it, but we're not going to do it. We're going to make a choice. We're going to make a decision. Amen. And I believe Pastor Eric taught on that one time about that. And it's always been in my heart, and it's something that really needs to be in our, it needs to be out of your vocabulary. I'm not going to, it's like divorce. I'm the marriage minister pastor here, so divorce is not an option. Divorce cannot be in your vocabulary because if it's in your vocabulary, it becomes an option, right? So that's never an option. It's always reconciliation. We're always here to repair. There's a plug for the marriage ministry. <laughs> mm. So don't forget that all honor originates out of your heart. All honor originates out of your heart. So yeah, I, ask yourself this question. What's your heart look like? What's inside of your heart? Three areas of authority that we struggle with. Governmental, in the home, and church leadership. I want to do a disclaimer here because Jeff is a novice at doing what I'm doing here as far as the PowerPoint. Never done it before. So if it looks kind of messed up in places, I'm really sorry, but I did the best I could on such short notice. And uh, I struggle big time with figuring out how to use a computer. So for me to do this is monumental, okay? All right, right? I, I, took a, I took a 17 minute course on YouTube on how to do it. And it starts talking about, you can put the cell inside of a cell inside of a cell, and you add this and add this, and like, <laughs> stop, I can't do that. That is absolutely nuts. So I just did the bare basics, 
and you'll, you'll see as we go through here, so. All right, the first one, governmental authority, national level, state level, and local level. You can all see what we're doing here. The first one's governmental. How many times have we dishonor, uh, dishonor our governmental leaders by our words, actions, and positioning of our heart, or our attitude, the same thing? How many times do we do that? A lot. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to me about my bad attitude that I had several years ago about President Obama. I had a very bitter taste in my mouth. And it wasn't because of the color of his skin. It was because of what I thought that he stood for. Because I don't care anything about politics as long as you're standing and believing the things and representing the things that I want, that I stand for, that God has put inside of my heart. So it's really important to me that a person lines up with that before I'll vote for him. And I think all of you should, you know, have the same, you know, the same philosophy. They need to, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or, or whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference. Do they stand for what you stand for? That's right. So, <clears throat> I didn't like the things that, uh, to me, that he seemed that he stood for. And I thought that he was doing a very, very good job of dividing our country. Yes. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to pray for him. Right. And I resisted. I'm going to be, this is Jeff being totally vulnerable. I resisted. And I asked the Lord, why should I pray for a man who in my eyes was evil and doing evil things? And God has an answer for every problem. Amen. And it's like, why did I ask him that? Because I know he's going to tell me. And when am I going to get it through my thick head that all I had to do was go to him first and he would bring enlightenment and truth into my life? And so the Lord convicted me to pray for this man. And as I did, uh, my heart started to soften because I could see how the Lord loved him because he loves him just as much as he loves me. He's no respecter of men. He loves us all the same. But I do believe that some people have more favor on their lives because they're obedient to what he's called them to do. Romans 13, verses 1 through 2. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no other authority except from God, and the authority that exists are from God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority and the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty pointed statement, right? So what this scripture means is, is that everyone that's in authority is there because God put them there. Right, it doesn't say God puts godly men in authority. It says God puts all men in authority. So he puts people in authority that aren't godly men. Why? Because he's trying to accomplish something and he's gonna do it through this person. So he's called me to respect and honor this person. And if I don't, there's some consequences. 
I'll bring judgment upon myself if I dishonor this person. So if I'm dishonoring, maybe you don't like President Trump right now. Maybe he, he, he's just like, you know, very offensive to you, and I get it. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I, I get it. <laughs> but I'm still supposed to honor. How do I honor him? Absolutely. And I don't pray God fix him. That's, that's not how I pray for him. I say, God fix us, man. He's jacked up. I don't do that, right? What do I do? I say, God, give him an encounter with you because it's your job to fix him, not mine. And so when we pray for an encounter from the Father for these people, it's like, okay, guys, hold on to your socks and see what happens. Because if, if we're all on the same page, we're all doing that, that's just an invitation for God to do something. And God's going to move on that. He's, he's going to do that joyfully. So if I don't uh, honor our leaders, then I dishonor the Lord. Why? Because he put the people in authority. He put them there. We think the people put him there by their elections, but God puts all men in authority, it says it. So if he's put it on your heart to vote for this person or this person, God's done it. In the book of Daniel... Uh, you guys all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? How they put in a fiery furnace. I wanted to read this scripture to you. <clears throat> because w- what happened here is, is uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to worship him and worship the idol, and they refused. So they got in trouble. There was consequences for their action, right? The king was furious. They were going to be thrown in the fire. So this is what the king said to him uh, after they got in trouble. He says, who will deliver you from my hands? This is what the king said to these three young men. And they gave an answer that was honoring to the king, even in the face of their death. They honored him because they answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner, in this matter. If there is a case, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from, from your hands, O king. But if not, let it be known uh, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship your golden image, which you have set up. See, they, what they did is they honored the king by the way they spoke to him. If, if I was getting ready to get thrown into a fiery furnace or whatever, I don't think I'd have been that nice. I wouldn't have said, oh, king, I, I'd have said, you're a jerk and you know what and all this other stuff because I knew I was going to die, so I'd let him have a piece of my mind. And I think most people would, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a piece of this. So, but they didn't do that, did they? They honored him. Why did they do that? Number one, I believe they honored him because... It was their, it's how they were raised, their culture, how they were raised as children, what their parents taught them. To, 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 what's the word of God say? Honor all men. They were taught that. I don't know if we teach our children that anymore. 
Do we teach our children that? I didn't. <clears throat> so they honored the king. And uh, so they honored God when they honored the king. Right? Because he placed Nebuchadnezzar in authority. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a Christian. He, he wasn't a God-fearing man. He wasn't, you know, he was not Jewish. He was from Babylon. He's the king of Babylon. So they honored that man who was not a man of God. And God honored them. First Samuel 2.30. God says, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. These three young men honored God. And when they did, God gave them a reward. What was their reward? He saved their life. They came out of the fire, not even smelling like smoke. But they were in there. This is their greatest reward. They were in there with Jesus. Right? And, and can you imagine the conversation that was going on inside that furnace? I can't. I'm just like, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. How awesome that would have been for those three guys to have a conversation with our Lord walking through that furnace with them. That is a reward above and beyond any other reward you could ever receive. It's the presence of the Lord. But they also received another honor from the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He put them in charge of so many things in Babylon. He honored them. And you know what? He also honored God after that. Because he saw what their God could do. They saw with their God, how their God delivered them from his furnace that killed the men that threw those guys in. One of the things I wanted you to notice what happened with this is when you honor God, is that he didn't take them out of the fire. He went through the fire with them. You know, if, you, if you're not thinking about this, it's like, okay, why would he do that? We ask God all the time when we walk through trials and tribulations and fires in our life to take it away from us, God. Sometimes he does. Most of the time he doesn't. But he wants you to walk through that fire. And when you honor him, he's going to walk through it with you. It's just like going over the mountain. He's going to go over the mountain with you. You're going to go down in a valley? He's going to go down in a valley with you. He's going to be there with you. See, because when we walk through the fire, it defines our character. It defines who we are. And these lessons become a part of our testimony. How do we overcome the world? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we're able to talk to people and speak to people through our testimony. Maybe we've already walked through things that they're getting ready to walk through or in they're in the middle of it and we're able to, to, to speak to that and help them. 
So don't ask God to take you out of the fire. Honor him, and he'll walk through this fire with you. So one of the questions we have is, uh, how can I honor God? Well, the first way you can honor him is by following his commandments and doing what he's called you to do. That's why I'm up here today. He's asked me to do this, and my God is so gracious and so patient with me because I've failed him so many times. I've backed off so many times, but I said enough is enough. The song that we sang, that last song, I want to sit at his feet. Right? I love to sit at the feet of Jesus. But a week ago in the prayer, uh, prophetic room, what the Lord told me was, he says, the time for sitting at my feet is growing short because it's time to get up and move. It's time to get up and do what I've called you to do. So I can't sit there all day long, right? As much as we'd all love to. The Lord at one time had given me a glimpse of his presence, of his peace, I should say, from the kingdom of heaven. And it was so overpowering and so overwhelming to me, I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything, I couldn't function. And I said, go oh God, what is this? And he says, I'm giving you a taste of my kingdom. And it was a, just a taste. And I knew right then and there why we couldn't walk in that on this earth all the time. You couldn't accomplish anything. You, you, you couldn't get anything done. You just wanted to, oh, this is so unbelievably awesome. So sitting at his feet, it's so awesome, and that, that's where we have to start. But we also have to move. Awaken, you sleepers. Awaken. Move. Do what God's called you to do. Each and every one of us has got a calling in our life. Do it. Move. Deuteronomy 28. Verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. This. This is how we honor God. By doing what he's called us to do. He says, it's everything that God talks about conditional if right if you accept my son you'll have salvation you'll have eternal life if you're faithful to obey my commandments all these blessings they won't be poured on you they're going to overtake you they're going to tackle you as you go down the street you're not going to have room enough to store these blessings you're just not and I encourage you all to read the rest of Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 14 because it talks about how he will bless you. But also there's an opposite side of that. If you're not faithful to follow my words and my commandments, then a curse will come upon you and you'll walk in the curse of the world. Curse, blessing. Jesus says choose. Choose one. So what will you choose? Because by choosing, it requires action. 
You have to do something, right? So I wanted to tell you a short story. And this is, uh, I heard somebody talk, Shelly talked about Jim Becker this morning. And uh, back in uh, 2007, uh, Lynn, not all of you know him, but a lot of, him, a lot of you know him. I, I and my wife were uh, attending Foursquare Church at the time. And Lynn was over there as an intern pastor. And as he was over there as a pastor, the Lord had told me uh, to ask him to mentor me. So that was one of the things that I did. And he mentored me for three or four years. Uh, but before he became pastor, he threw his name in the hat, and Jim Becker threw his name in the hat for the lead role. Well, Lynn had told Jim, and this is a, this is a story that I just confirmed yesterday because I talked to Jim. And uh, Lynn had told Jim that he was going to pull his name out of the hat because he felt that Jim should have the position. And so they both prayed about it. And Jim is adamant against it, adamantly against it. He says, no, the Lord said that I was to be under you. You are to be the pastor of this church. So Jim had pulled his name out of the hat so he wouldn't be uh, in running with him. Well, out of that honor that Jim had showed, has shown Lynn, four months after that happened, dive was birthed. How many of you have been to dive? Right, a lot of you. And I know a lot of the younger kids, I don't see them all here. But Jim told me uh, the first dive opening, there was 187 children there. 187. And now they're in the schools. He said the, that the principal of Eastwood at the time went and talked to Jeff Kundrat. And he says, I've got all these problems going on my, in my school. Can we get some sort of after-school program in there? He says, go see Jim Becker. And from that, dive started going through all the schools. Why? Because Jim honored the Lord and honored Lynn by stepping back out of the way, by not being prideful, by waiting. Because Jim is the pastor there now. So God still installed him, but it just wasn't in the time that maybe he wanted. Right? Because that's what we do sometimes. We, we try to push God's timing ahead, and he says, no, now's not the time. So I thought that was very interesting, very cool. Another uh, way of honor, and this is something that I witnessed myself twice, is in the, uh, uh, the local arena with, how many of you know Greg York? our mayor, right? I've known him for many years. And uh, <clears throat> I saw him one day, and he was over by the high school, and he was rebuilding a brick or a block wall that had fallen down as part of the outside of the park. I'm like, what are you doing out here? Why are you doing this? He said, well, everybody else is busy, and I had some time on my hands, so I wanted to do this. And then I see him several weeks later, and he's got a pickup truck, with asphalt in the back of it, he's patching holes in the road. I said, Greg, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? He said, I got all the other crews out. They're all busy filling holes. He said, I had time on my hands. I'm getting paid. I need to be doing something. 
I felt at that time that the honor that that man was showing this city, I mean, this is like we're supposed to be honoring him. He's an elected official. He's a guy that God put into into a, a, the spirit that, or this position of authority. We're supposed to honor him. And what is he doing? He's being uh, a representative of Jesus. He's being a servant. And, and that honored me. That honored my heart when I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many leaders would do that? How many leaders even know or how many people in the city even know that he did that? I don't know. He doesn't toot his own horn. But he did it. He got out there and did the work. The next area I want to talk about is honor inside of our home, husband, wives, and children. And I want to start off by asking, how are we doing at honoring our children in our home? How are our children going to learn what honor looks like? if we're not honoring our children. This is where it starts, right? Don't expect the school, don't expect the church to teach honor. We're responsible for that. Amen. It's my job to teach my children that. Your job to teach your children that, what that looks like. Remember that children are a gift from God. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So do you know that each and every one of you is a fruit from the womb? Right? So you're special. Each and every one of you are special. And each and every one of your children is special. Do you know that uh, we dishonor our children with harsh words? Words of discouragement? Words that are negative? Maybe we are abusive. Remember, abuse is not always physical. It's mental, too. Big time. You can destroy a child's self-esteem in a heartbeat. So what kind of example are we setting for our children? Do we tell our kids, no fighting allowed in the house, stop it, we're not going to put up with that, and then 10 minutes later they hear mom and dad fighting in the kitchen? Are we setting that example in our house? I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here because I want you to see through the eyes of God. And this is the things that God has taught me and he's shown me because I've been here. I've done these things. I've not honored my children because I didn't know the Lord at the time. I didn't know his ways. I made mistakes. And now after today, after we get done teaching, you're going to know the way of the Lord so there's not going to be an excuse. Right? We're going to have to make changes in our lives. 
we say we're raising up the next generation in this church. What's that look like? Or do our children hear us talking badly about our president, our governor, our mayor? Or maybe they hear us talking bad about our pastor and the word they brought today and how it hurt my heart. Maybe it was right on target, right? So do they hear that in your home? I was, uh, <clears throat> I was a lot of things as a father, and, a, and for a long time I wasn't a good one. I had, uh, I had this thing, I had, it's past tense, it's no longer there. It's called spirit of perfection upon me. And my children knew it, my wife knew it, because it would overflow onto them. They couldn't do anything right. It was like chore after chore after chore. You got to redo it. You do it better than that. You can do better than that. And it was, it was very difficult on our relationship. And I created that. And I have since had to go back and apologize to my adult children about my behavior because I was ignorant. Ignorant simply means you don't know. I didn't know. So I've had to apologize to my children and ask for forgiveness because I wasn't the leader of the home. And that's something that's really huge too, and I want, and I, and I want to address each one of you guys uh, with this here in a minute, but uh, one of the things I remember my wife saying was not only that uh, about the, the spirit of perfection upon me, was is that I was always working, I was always gone, I was always absentee. And my, and my wife told me, she says, you know, it's going to be on your headstone. You're a great provider, but you really stunk as a dad. And that was like a knife in my heart because it was true. So I had to make a change. I made a choice that day. I was my own boss. I worked for myself. I could, I could create my hours. It, and it wasn't all about the money. So I started coming home at three, coaching my girls softball, helping them, being there for them, helping them in 4-H, and doing all those things that I should have been doing in the first place because I wanted to be a better parent than what I was. And that was tough. It was tough for me to swallow what was going on inside of me. But it was a reality in my life. I wanted to talk to you about being the leader of the home because that's something I talk about all the time, all the time. It's so imperative. I see the problems that we have in these marriages and also in our society because we don't have men stepping up to be the leader of the home. And I'm talking to every one of you guys in here, everyone. God has called you to be the spiritual leader of your home. What's that look like? Are you washing your wife in the water of the word? Are you bringing life to your wife? Are you honoring your children? Are you bringing God's truth to your children? Are you posting them on the doorpost? 
right? So they get them inside their heart. Get that word inside of them. Are you doing that? I've also discovered a better way of parenting. It's by uplifting and encouraging our children. And uplifting and encouraging, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't mean there's no consequences for bad behavior. We have consequences for bad behavior, but they're appropriate for what's going on in our in the situation and age appropriate. But when we encourage our children, do you know what that means? We infuse courage in our children. We put it in them. It's just like the prophetic team. Our words are supposed to be encouraging and uplifting. And if they're not, we don't normally give them. Right? It's the same with your children. If you don't have anything nice to say to your kids, don't say it. You tell your kids this all the time. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right? What are we doing? Do we have anything nice to say to our kids? Are we encouraging them? As parents, uh, we're here to help and see the value that God's placed in them, in our children. Right? We have to see that value that God's placed in them, and we have to draw that out. Yelling doesn't bring out their value, but love does. Patience does, understanding does, long-suffering does. That brings out their value because children are not born with a fully developed brain. According to my wife, they're not developed until they're 25 years old. So now you know some of the behavior problems. <laughs> sure. But I, I wanted to share something about Susan. And she doesn't know I'm going to share it, but I'm, I know she's good with it because she's talked about it before. It was about her father. You know, her dad was a rough man. He was a hard man. He worked for IMI, and he worked in the mine over there, the strip mines, and he ran equipment and hauled gravel. And, and he also was a mechanic for a while. But Susan would always tell the story about one thing that her dad did that she will remember till the day she dies. And that thing was, was he always told her, you can do or be anything you want to. He, he made that a part of her, who she is from a very young age. And so she is who she wants to be, partly because her, her dad put that in there, instilled that inside of her what are what are we instilling inside of our children can you be anything you want to be or are you going to let the world beat you down what are we teaching our kids parents mind the gold that's in your children we say it all the time the prophetic right mind the gold anybody can see the dirt we all see the dirt on you it's everywhere it's very apparent and our children have it all over them too but we're not called to look at that. We're called to look at them through the eyes of God. And God does not look at our dirt. He brushes it away and he pulls out the nuggets. And that's what we're called to do with our children. Help them to see that they're truly valuable. 
Are we helping our children to see that they're valuable? Husbands, as a spiritual leader of your home, are you honoring your children and your wife? This is supposed to be the main way that we learn, that our children learn, is by how well does daddy love mom? How well does daddy love me? This is God's design things this way. The spiritual headship of the home. You're supposed to do these things. You're supposed to love your wife well. Why? Because your children get the greatest security from knowing that you love mom. And there's nothing going to tear you apart. That's where they get their security. It's not from buying them things, letting them do things. They need to feel secure in their heart. And that's how they feel secure. Guys, you have a very heavy responsibility placed on you by God. Every one of you guys. And I want you to understand this, that uh, one day you will give an account as how you did for your, that responsibility that was given to you. We all stand before the judgment seat and we'll be asked some questions. How well did you did a, do as a father, as a spiritual leader of your home? Your children are watching everything that you're doing, everything that you're saying. So what's that looking like in your house? Men, your behavior in the home will influence generations to come. Did you hear me? Your behavior in your home will influence generations to come. If you're abusive, if you're an alcoholic, drugs, it doesn't matter what it is. If this is in your home, influencing your children, it's going to be passed down from generation to generation. If you don't want that to happen, we have to make a change of how we raise our children. What does that look like in your home? I'm asking you these questions because I want this to kind of be seared in your brain. So when you leave here, you're asking yourself these questions. What does honor look like in my home? Husbands. Do you honor or prefer, prefer, prefer your wife? Or is it more about you? I'll tell you a little story that happened just the other day. Drink real quick. I was outside and I had a ladder. And I was carrying a ladder around and uh, it was raining a little bit. Susan was getting ready to go to work. She had her hands full of stuff, going to a Jeep. And I saw her, she and I made eye contact and I just kept on about it. And she went back inside the house and got something else, got back out of the Jeep. She backs out of the garage and, and she rolls window down. So I put the ladder down, excuse me, and I go over there. 
And uh, she said, when a pretty girl has her hands full, you're supposed to drop everything and come and help her. <laughs> I said, but I had a ladder in my hand. That's exactly what she said. And she said, okay. So she leaves, and two seconds later, the Lord convicts me. He goes, how would you have behaved if you were still dating your wife? I said, yep, I probably would have thrown the ladder down. I'd ran over there and grabbed the stuff, helped her out. I would have done it. My bad. So publicly, I'm apologizing for dishonoring my wife. <laughs> but these are, these are the simple things. These are the things that we do and we don't think about. What honor actually looks like. Am I preferring my wife over myself? At the time, I didn't. And I should have. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, or be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Men, we're called to serve. Yes, we are. We're called to serve our family. So what's that looking like in your life? How are you serving your family? We're called to represent or re-present Jesus to our wife and our children. Men, I want you to examine yourself. And I, and I just want you to ask yourself what that looks like in your life. Because I know for a long time I looked pretty poor in my life. Because I wasn't the spiritual leader. She was. And see, when these roles are reversed, when the wife is a spiritual leader of your home, you know what happens? You step out of the will of God. Because God's called the man to be the spiritual leader of the home. So if the woman has to step into his place, what happens? We're, not, we're no longer walking in this, in this blessing like we're supposed to. We're no longer walking the way God's called us to walk. So he cannot bless that. You've tied his hands. So... If we have the same heart as Jesus, because we're always supposed to do it, Jesus, he's our example, right? Is he not our example? Yes. Always our example. He said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. So men, if you're this example to your wife in your home, she's supposed to take that as a, as a hint too. And she's supposed to start serving also. She's supposed to have the heart of Jesus. She's supposed to start serving too. And guess what? If we both have the heart to serve each other, then life's really good. It is. Because things get done, things are accomplished, and we do it together. Men, do you know that in order to truly lead someone, they must feel loved? Does your wife feel loved on this beat up on men day? <laughs> <laughs> Does your wife feel loved? First Corinthians 13, 4, 8. Everybody should know this. We have this poster uh, plaque uh, in our uh, 
uh, mudroom. Love suffers long as kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. Do we ever behave rudely? Never. I have. Does not seek its own and is not provoked. It's not provoked, so I can't say that my wife made me do it. No, it's my choice. I made a decision to act the way that I did. She did not do anything that's going to make me do anything I don't want to do. Right? Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things. This is where I get in trouble with my wife. I believe all things. I get in trouble with my wife because she said, I think some of these people are lying to you. I said, well, I don't have a choice. I have to believe because this is what love does. I have to be able, I have to believe this because love looks like that. I believe all things until you've proved otherwise. Hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's what we gotta get inside of us. This needs to be on your heart. This needs to be chiseled into your heart. <laughs> You're right over. <laughs> Basically, what this what 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 does is it tells us what love looks like through God's eyes. Men, do you honor your wife by loving her well? Are you preferring, herself, preferring, preferring her over yourself? Do you do things like hold the door for her? I got so tired of holding the door for my wife. I took the door off. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't have to do that, right? Or one time we were teaching a marriage class. This is always funny in marriage class because in marriage class we were teaching about honoring your wife and what it looks like to hold a door and stuff like this. Men, are you doing this? Well. Invariably, every night that they would leave, after that teaching, I'd stand there at the door and watch. And they'd all open the door for their wife, right? Just that, yeah, exactly. Learning some things or doing some things I knew how to do but hadn't been doing for a while. And uh, I always thought that was funny. Well, a few days later, we're getting ready to go somewhere. Susan's outside. They're walking outside of the truck. And I'm walking around the other side of the truck, getting the truck fired up, getting ready to take off, and looking at the rearview mirror, and Susan's still standing there. She goes, how long am I supposed to stand here before you open the door? <laughs> so I back up from the door. <laughs> we, 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 don't, we, don't always, we don't always hit it right the first time. Some, sometimes we have to, you know, we have to continue to try and try and try. All right. That's all right. So I took the door off. <laughs> hmm. Do you pull a chair out for her? when you sit in a restaurant? When you go into a place, do you open the door and rush right in? Or do you stand there and hold the door for her? What do you do? I, I, I can't believe what I see from this younger generation. Young ladies sitting over here. If you're dating a young man that won't hold the door open for you and let you go through first, leave him. I'm telling you right now. 
don't have anything to do with him because he doesn't honor or respect you. I see this all the time. You, you watch. You go into a restaurant sometime and you watch as these young kids come in. These young men don't do that. Chivalry is dead with them. So why is that? Because it's not taught in home. We have a broken generation because of the divorce. Because dads are not in the home. As much as that stinks, it does stink. We have to do something about it, and that's why we do what we do, because we don't like dealing with divorce, because it's not good for anybody. Everybody loses. Society loses. Men, do you pray for your wife? We teach in marriage class. You Pray for your wife face to face. You do that? Very uncomfortable to do that at first until you get used to doing it. Face to face, eyes open, looking in her eyes. Do you pray for your wife? Do you ask her, hey, babe, what's trouble today? What can I pray for you about? What can I lift your heart up to the Lord about? It's not... God, you got to fix her, man. She's so messed up. That's not how we pray, right? (laughs) Face to face. What does that create? That creates vulnerability and transparency in both of you. And that's what builds intimacy, right? Into me you see. Intimacy. We have to have that intimacy in order for our relationship to grow and to develop. And that's... That's one of the ways that you attain it. And I can tell you right now, guys, you start praying for your wife face-to-face, eyes open, and she's going to be putty in your hands. Why? Because it makes her feel safe. It makes her feel secure. It, it says, I love you, and I'm here for you. I want to protect you because that's my job. Do you protect her physically, spiritually, and emotionally? What's that look like in your house? Are you, it's kind of the same as you do with your wife as your kids. Do you, are you abusive with your words? Do you expect your wife to wait on you hand and foot? Do you sit there with the tea glass empty, shaking the ice around, waiting for her to come fill it up? Right? Are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) Your home has to be a safe place. A safe place for you to return to after work. It has to be a safe place. It has to be a safe place for your children. It has to be a safe place for you. So everybody in the house needs to be able to walk in this house and breathe. Not walking on pins and needles and eggshells. We can't do this. The safe place says, I have a place where I can walk in and I can be me, I can breathe, I can make a mistake and not get beat up. That's what the safe place looks like. I can see I'm getting a little, I'm just a little bit behind, I'm sorry. I've only got another hour. Sorry, no, oh, all bad. 
Okay. The last place I want to go is this. And this is, this is super, super important to me. Okay? Honoring spiritual leaders. Pastor Eric, Pastor Tom, Pastor Shelley. I'm making this personal today for each one of you. This is so important that you get this. <clears throat> Do we honor our spiritual leaders or not? Do you know that they're not, they're not worthy of honor? The Bible says they're worthy of double honor. Double honor, not just honor, double honor. First Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it tread, treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. This scripture here is talking about wages, money. This is what this is talking about here. <clears throat> we, are <clears throat> we are to give ministers of the gospel twice as much honor as we do other leaders. Why? Because they're sent from God. They labor and toil in the word for you, for each one of us. They work hard at this. How do we, how do we give them honor? How do we give them double honor? Well, one of the ways is uh, how we treat them, how we talk to them. Do we come into service late and leave early? Do we do that? You know, the, the pastors here work very hard throughout the week to make the service come together and make sure everything is about excellence for the Lord. And when we come in late and when we leave early, we, we dishonor them. Do you realize that, that we dishonor them? So if we're dishonoring them, who else are we dishonoring? God. Right. So it's a double whammy, which is not good. Because God has placed them in authority. So we're dishonoring God. Do we say mean and spiteful things to them? I've been a witness to it. I've seen it firsthand, even to me. I've had mean and hateful things said to me, dishonored me. But it's not about me today, it's about these guys. I've seen firsthand. I've read messages, how people have dishonored. I've heard stories how people have dishonored. I watched dishonor happen in another church. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. God, check our hearts. Sometimes they're face-to-face, -face, but most times behind their back. Things like, I could have done a much better job of delivering a message than Pastor Eric, Tom, Shelley, or Jeff. I could have done a much better job of doing that. So when you dishonor the messenger and the message, we dishonor God. You know that the message that is brought forth every week is from God. God inspired 
And God has given it to the leaders to share with each and every one of us. God's inspired these messages that are brought to you. So the word is given to imperfect people with problems. Right? They'll be the first to tell you, all three of them, that they've got many problems. They're not going to deny it. But God has still chosen to use them, just like he chose to use you. He's chosen to honor them because they've honored him, which requires you to honor them. So when you dishonor the message because the messenger is not perfect, or you do things, uh, or they don't do things the way that I would do it, do we do that? Do we dishonor people because of that? Do we dishonor Pastor Eric because he doesn't deliver the message like Tom does? Or Shelley? Do we dishonor them? I can't speak for you. We need to understand that the kingdom of heaven operates on several principles. Love, honor, and justice. In the kingdom of heaven, love and honor are so deeply knitted together and intertwined, they're almost indistinguishable. Remember the list we went through about 1 Corinthians 13? What it looks like? It's what honor looks like. It's selfless. It's not thinking of myself. It's thinking of someone else, lifting someone else up. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to soberly, soberly consider your answer. Because our pastors sacrifice their time, their money, their energy, everything that they have for us. You know, they go to war for us. When they know there's trouble, even when there's, they don't know there's trouble, they're still warring for us. They're battling for us. They're praying. That's how they go to war. They are also our advocates. That's why they're worthy of double honor. The pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. I wanted to read this out of the Passion Translation because I think it speaks a little bit better of it. It says it a better way. It says the pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. They should receive double honor for, their, uh, for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the word. You think the pastors receive double honor in this church? And I'm going to tell you right now, they didn't put me up to this message. So they're not the ones telling me to say this stuff. God is. God put me up to this message. He's given me this. So don't go talking to Eric and Tom Shelley and say, oh, why do they talk about that? You know, it's like, oh, it's really hurt. Well, do you think they're paid well for the work that they do? I don't think they are. I don't think they're paid well. So you ask yourself, why aren't they paid better? You not, might not like the reality of this truth, but it's still the truth. The church has limited resources to produce maximum impact. Right? Salaries, building, upkeep, different ministries, missions, and on and on. 
so there's not enough money to pay them more. This is the problem, yet the solution is easy. Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet he has robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse. There will be, there will be, there, that there may be food in my house. And try me on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Amen. There's the answer. Why don't our pastors get paid more? There's the answer. God says bring the tithe in the storehouse, which means 10%, first fruit. And if you don't do that, then you're robbing God. That's what he says. These aren't my words. These are God's words. He's already provided you with the money. It's his in the first place. He just wants 10% of it back. Why? To take care of our pastors, to take care of the work of the ministry, to do the things that need to be done. First fruit, 10%. All of God's, uh, all of God's promises are conditional. <clears throat> and he talks about all of his blessings if we do this or if we do that. And he talks about the curses if we don't do this and we don't do that. Everything's conditional with God. And I don't think it gets any clearer than that. Uh, I, I, I want to share with you a real quick story. It's going to take me a bit of a second. About tithing. Because I was a member of the 5 and $10 and $20 in a plate club for many, many years. I was the captain of that club, right? Until my wife started tithing. And then she started being a spiritual leader in my home and instead of me and, and teaching me and talking to me and uh, then allowing God to speak to me. And uh, as, as I did, as, as I surrendered to God, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tithe and see what happens. I can't even tell you how long it was after that. It wasn't very long after that. I get a phone call at work. She says, what are we supposed to do with all this money in our checking account? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We both made pretty decent money at the time, but it was always gone. It was always spent before we got it. We have an enormous amount of money in our checking account that we'd never had before. Why? Because I stepped up the plate. I became the spiritual leader of our home. I tithed. I did what God told me to do. And I was joyful and cheerful about it because it was the word of God told me to be. If I do it begrudgingly, don't do it. Because it's, it's going to be no effect to you. But God says, try me in this. Try me on that. This is an invitation from God. Step up to the plate. Take it. Take the challenge. Will you take that challenge? Will you tithe so there can be food in the storehouse? So if the tithe would come in and the storehouse would be full, then our pastors that are worthy of double honor and double pay would receive the honor due them. Honor and dishonor has a trickle-down effect either way, either for good or bad. So basically, it's our choice. We have a choice to make. Just like everything else, God's always given us a choice. Blessing, curse. What do you choose? It's as simple as that.
these are just three of the main areas of many areas that God is talking about honor and dishonor that he spoke to me about. The foundation of honor and dishonor is always a heart issue, always. If you're struggling with it, there's something going on here. And so I, I would ask you to, to ask the Lord to reveal to your heart what's going on if you're struggling with things like that. How am I carrying my heart, God? Also believe that if we're going to affect a culture and a generation, then it must start at home with fathers, teaching and showing their children what honor looks like. I'm hooked on this thing, guys. This father thing, I'm sorry. This is why we're in the shape that we're in right now. Families have been destroyed. So fathers, I'm saying this to you. If you're, not, if you're having struggling with your, your spouse, with your wife, you do whatever it takes to get through it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. There's no holes barred. You can't not do what you're called to do, and that is to love your wife well. So I want to issue you uh, some challenges here. I kind of wind this, wind this thing down. I guess I should have done half an hour ago. Uh, <clears throat> I want to challenge you guys over the next three weeks to tithe. And see what God does in your life. He says, try me on this. I want to see you tithe, and I want, to, I want you guys to say, okay, God, I'm doing this with a joyful heart. I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you have for me. Second challenge. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers. Honor your children. Show your children what honor looks like. Be that representation of honor to them. Third challenge. This is the last challenge I want you to do. And I want you to go out of your way. Go out of your way to honor your pastors. Take them out to dinner. Buy them a gift certificate. Hey, Eric, I'm at the furniture store. What kind of couch do you like? Right? Yeah. I'm not talking. I'm, I'm, he's worthy of double honor. Shelly's worthy of double honor. Tom, wherever he is. Where's Tom? Tom, double honor. Who's buying an extra house? Tom wants another house. Right? Buy him a house. See, when we don't honor our pastors, you know what happens? A lot of our, because we're not... Because we're not honoring them, we're not honoring God. So we have trouble sometimes with good job, good pay, businesses, not, not up to their full potential. Why do you think that is? Because we're not honoring our pastors. Favor. We're not attracting the favor of God because we're dishonoring the men that God set before us, men and women. So everybody stand up, please. I'm sorry that I took so long. I just, I didn't even look at the clock. I apologize.
<laughs> so, Father, we, we come before you, and I thank you for uh, what you've taught us today. I thank you for your word that uh, I hope sears into our hearts, Lord, that we change our behavior, that we change our behavior to come into line with your word, and your word says to honor all men. And your word says honor, double honor, our pastors. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you put it upon each and every person's heart this week to overwhelm our pastors with honor, whatever it looks like in their eyes. Whether it be a new car, a new house, new furniture, we're just declaring this right now in Jesus' name. Double pay. We thank you, Father, that you are putting in the hearts of men and women right now to tithe. So that the storehouse will be full and the work of the ministry can be accomplished. We thank you for that, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you that I just want to pray a blessing over each and every person, Heavenly Father, a covering as they leave this place. That God will abundantly bless them. That their day will be so fantastically awesome that they can't wipe the smile off their face, Lord. I thank you for that peace that you're putting in them and the hedge of protection that you're putting around them because they're going to make a choice to honor you. Amen. They're going to honor you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.